day. Christ is now arisen. But let me ask you a question. Are you afraid of death? When I was a child, my family would often take vacations in the woods of northern Wisconsin. For one year, our cousins also joined us. They were older than me, and I had a couple of older brothers, and they wanted to go off and explore the woods, and I wanted to follow them. But they didn't want a little kid following them and slowing them down, so they tried to discourage me from, from going, but I wanted to go. So finally, one of them turned around and said, we're going to see a shack that has Indian skeletons in it. I took off quickly for the cabin because there was no way I wanted to see dead skeletons. I was afraid of death. Now, childhood stories can be humorous. But there's nothing funny when you're standing alongside somebody you love and they're dying. There's nothing funny when you're gathered at their gravesite. But are you afraid of death? Now you might be wondering, why such a somber question and topic? Such a glorious and joyous day. Well, that's how the first Easter started out. Jesus' friends were focused on the death of their friend, their Lord, their Savior. But when they got to that empty tomb, what a difference it made. As the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Jesus is risen. That's the truth. That's why we rejoice today. And in fact, not just today, but for the rest of our lives. Today, let's talk about how we can live victoriously. Because Jesus is Risen. Let's take a look at the words of the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians as he explains to them the resurrection of the dead. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a kid... I had a scary image of Indian skeletons wearing war bonnets and carrying tomahawks chasing me through the woods. I was afraid of death. 
Well, it took a little while, but my father convinced me that wasn't true. There was nothing to be afraid of. Sometimes that's hard for us to look at when we know a loved one has died. It may be hard for us to feel that way when we look at our own mortality. But look at the glorious message that God gives us. How it stands in contrast to our fears. But yet death is a reality. Why is that? Paul said, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, that is, cannot live forever. Nor does the perishable, the sinful, inherit the imperishable. What is describing for us might simply be called a tragedy. We do not live forever. If we look ahead, we might see our future is just filled with failure and death. Why is that? It's because of our disobedience. Our failure to obey God. Here again what Paul said at the end of our reading. For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. Sin is disobedience to God. The word in the original language meant missing the mark, falling short of a standard. Oh, not just any old standard, but God's standard. When we have missed his standard of living, the result is death. On another uh, summer vacation in northern Wisconsin, my Two older brothers wanted to take uh, out the boat and go explore another part of the lake. And I wanted to go along, but no, they wouldn't take me. I had to stand on the pier to just watch from a distance. Well, they got to another part of the lake, and, and as they were pulling the boat up to the beach, they wanted to make sure that the boat wouldn't float away, so they took the anchor and threw it on the shore. But when they did that, all of a sudden I heard all sorts of cries and, and screams, and they were swinging away with their arms. What happened is they threw the anchor. Hornet's nest. I was glad I was on the pier. <laughs> they jumped back in the boat, hoping to come back to get away from the hornets. But they couldn't get the motor to start. And they were crying and screaming. Well, fortunately, another person was there with his boat, and he towed them back over to our pier. And they got out, and my parents came, and they rushed them into the cabin and started peeling off their jackets and their sweatshirts and going to find out the hornets had worked their way all inside of their clothing. I was scared. I took off for the other room. I didn't want to get stung. And they were stung all over and so badly they had to be taken to the hospital. Now it was not their intention to throw that anger on a hornet's nest. And sometimes it's not our intention to sin, to miss the mark that God has established for us in our behavior. But oftentimes we still miss it. There's those foul words that come out once in a while. A malicious gossip or an impure thought or desire. And we might think, well, why, why would those simple things result in death? I mean, we think of sin that's qualifying for death. We think of big things like violence, hurting others, stealing things. But God says any sin means we have fallen short of his standard. And the law of God gives sin that power of death. 
And that's what Paul was describing for us. Oftentimes when somebody dies, we might ask the simple question, well, what did he die from? And there might be any list of reasons listed as causes, but it finally boils down to one, doesn't it? For all of us, it's the same. Sin. That's what Paul was saying. Flesh and blood, the perishable, the corruptible, that is our sin nature, and this mortal body cannot live forever. There is disease and death and decay. God set the mark. We have fallen short. Death is the fatal result. Now sometimes people view Easter as a, as a time to get a fresh start on things. You know, turn your life around and do better. But no matter how hard we try, we cannot get away from those that sting of death because of sin. In fact, what happens is we now disinherit eternal life. Paul said the corruptible, the perishable, that is that sin nature, can take on holiness. What is mortal, will, what will decay and die, cannot take on immortality. It can't live forever. It's impossible. And so death must come. But death comes so that something else will happen. So that God can give us, so that we can inherit from Him life. Now, that may not be the joyous message you're looking to hear today, but just wait. You see, you can't really appreciate the joy of Easter until you understand the full tragedy. And people understand what the problem is. But they look for solutions in the wrong way. Maybe they think if they just try hard. Or maybe if they just ignore what God wants us to do. You know, let's change the standards. Let's change the definitions of what God's will is. And then maybe everything will be okay. But the truth is, death will still come. We cannot change God's laws. We cannot challenge God's ways and expect to win. Death just shows us you cannot do away with the laws of God. My brothers tried to get away from those hornets. But the hornets kept following them. We may try to get away from sin, but sin keeps following us. And to be honest, don't we kind of go after it at times too? <coughs> now my brothers survived the hornet attack. They went to the hospital. The stainers were pulled out. They were given medicine. And things were just fine. You and I would be just fine too. Even though we must face death, there is victory. Admittedly, sometimes it is hard to see. Let me take a lesson from the pages of history. When Lord Wellington of the British Army was going up against Napoleon, there would be a final battle in which victory would be decided. The people of England were anxiously waiting to hear the outcome of that battle. Now, you know, they didn't have text messaging and instant news broadcast in those days. They had to wait for messages to be delivered. The quickest way they had was by means of signaling, spelling out a message with flags. The message, the battle ended, the message started to be delivered. And fog started to roll in. The people saw the message spelled out. 
Wellington defeated. And they went to bed that night thinking they had lost. But when the morning sun came up and burned off that fog so that they could see clearly, the message continued. Wellington defeated the enemy. My friends, don't let doubt, don't let suffering, don't let death in this life cloud the message. Listen to the whole thing. Christ has won the victory for us. And that victory now is given to us. Have you ever noticed, however, how in life we try to put off death? How we try to prolong our life? Uh, we join health clubs, we get involved in various health fitness programs. Uh, some people go through cosmetic surgeries and procedures like tummy tucks and facelifts. And, and, and people just look for anything they can do to get rid of the signs of aging, to put off death. But it's inevitable. We will die. But Paul teaches us there's no reason to fear death. Instead, there's a triumph. This is what he says. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? He's describing for us a triumph that only God can accomplish and has in Jesus and now gives to us. Here is that triumph. Jesus has conquered and sin has been removed. At the very beginning of this chapter, when he's talking about the resurrection, he starts out like this, though. He says, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That was God's plan. He was buried, and then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. You see, God's plan for our triumph was for himself to come into this world. He sends his son, Jesus, to take on our flesh and blood. To live perfectly in our place so that now there is a perfect obedience and it's ours through faith in Jesus. Jesus also took our sin upon him. And he suffered the punishment of our guilt. He suffered the wrath of God on the cross so that you and I would not have to face that wrath. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. That empty tomb proclaims to us that he won. Sin has been removed. Death has been conquered. Just as he says, because I live, you will live also. And so the sting of death has been removed. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now what does that mean, swallowed up? But when you and I swallow something like some food... That those nutrients go to work in our body. And so death has been swallowed up by Christ's resurrection and now goes to work for us. Paul describes that. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. That is something we haven't figured out, but something that God has revealed to us. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. That's the process God has chosen to bring us victory. 
death. It must be that way. You see, the perishable, what is corrupt and sinful, can't become holy. What is mortal, what will decline and, and die and decay, can't become eternal unless it is changed. God gives us that change. He clothes us with incorruptibility and with immortality. It's not putting a, a new set of clothes over the old. Rather, he has taken the old and thrown it away and given us a new body and a new condition of our soul, holy, and so we will live forever. That is the crown that God gives us. After life has been restored, we enjoy now a crown of life that is simply glorious. A body that is glorious like our Lord Jesus, where there is no sin, where there is no suffering, where there is no sorrow. The curse of sin has been reversed. Through Jesus' death, through His resurrection, you and I have been given victory. Our own resurrection and eternal life given to us by God. So we don't need to be afraid of death. It leads to victory. And that's what Easter is all about, isn't it? You look around today, and Easter is going to take on a number of different messages. Oh, it's just a time for family gatherings. It's a time for spring. It's a time for pretty flowers, for candy, for bunnies. And maybe some will say, it's a time to get your life together and turn it around. This is what it's all about. All those other things are simply a cheap imitation. Easter is about a lasting victory. A victory that God has given to us is in our hands now and will never, never be taken away. <clears throat> Yesterday morning there was a knock on my front door. There were two men standing there from another religion, Jehovah Witnesses. And uh, when they found out I was a pastor here, they uh, didn't really want to continue talking anymore. They didn't want to read anything. And I said, well, I'd just like to learn a little more about what you guys believe. So we talked for quite a while. And they gave me one of their little brochures. It was about the resurrection. And when I read it, I noted what it said. That you can't get the resurrection. You can't be part of the resurrection. Unless you are fully committed to Jesus Christ. And have shown it with a life of obedience and dedication to him. That's not a message of victory. That's a message of defeat. The message of victory is Jesus has done it all. And simply believe in Him. Trust in who He is and what He has done. And you will live forever. That's the joy. That's the victory of this day. Well, sometimes in my past Easter messages, I've talked about the, the joy of Easter candy and how I take candy from my kids' Easter baskets because I'm a kid too. And how that I get disappointed when a chocolate Easter bunny is hollow because there's not much to it. <laughs> so that's not necessarily very joyous. So a, a week ago, here's what appeared in my office. <laughs> it's three feet tall. <laughs> Weighs 30 pounds. Is solid milk chocolate. And really tastes good. <laughs> yes, I did start eating it. <laughs> and a little note that came along with it said, 
plenty of candy. Well, nothing can disappoint that Easter message of victory in Jesus. And the only thing left for us to do now is this. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's time to give thanks. To express our gratitude to God for His grace. Because He gives us the victory. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to prove that I qualify for it. Because I don't. It's out of His grace. That unearned, unconditional, unending love of God. That gives me that victory. It's interesting, in the Greek language, the word for thanks and the word for grace come from the same good word. My thanks is simply a response to His grace. Now, when I got that big Easter bunny, I thought, how in the world do you eat something that large? One bite at a time. <laughs> how do you live in gratitude to God and so victoriously? Because of the resurrection of Jesus? One breath. One moment at a time. You know, too often we want to see the grace of God and His power displayed in big, fantastic ways all at once. Just open your eyes of faith and see how every breath you take and every moment you live is a moment of His grace. From the daily bread that you have to the daily forgiveness of your sins the life that He sustains and gives you, the spiritual life that He has gifted you with, and the eternal life that He has promised you. Enjoy it one moment at a time. And make sure you give your gratitude to God. You see, Easter takes on many forms of celebration these days. But you're doing the right thing. You're starting out the day, God first. When Paul started out his sentence in the Greek, God first. To God be thanks. There's many ways to celebrate Easter, but there's only one way that truly captures the message of the day, the victory that we have in Jesus. So let every day of your life be a celebration of that victory. Just keep the victory alive. When you look at our sports teams and when they win a championship, they don't just celebrate it for a day, do they? It goes on and on. You can get shirts and hats and all sorts of things. And for a long time, they'll be referred to as the champions. Well, you know what? We have a champion. And he has shared with us that victory. Let's not let this day be the only day we celebrate the victory. In fact, I invite you to keep coming back. Because for the next month, we're going to be talking about how we live victoriously because of the resurrection of Jesus. Afraid of death? I was afraid of dead Indians, but my father convinced me otherwise. I'm not afraid of death because my Lord has convinced me otherwise. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will never die. My friends, that's our victory. Let's live at large. Amen. <laughs>